Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Going well. Happy Boxing Day. Yeah, thanks. Happy uh, Groundhog Day, two plus months early. Would you like to do a podcast? I would like to do a podcast. Yeah, I don't really want to, though. So Okay. All right, well, well thanks for joining us. This week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Hacking the Grepson, where we make jokes that are super funny right before we start talking. It is the end of December. That means Advent of Code is over for 2022. I definitely did not get through the last... I didn't even attempt the last few um, problems. Uh, I was defeated yet again by this programming challenge. But I did do better than last year, and so there is that. How did you feel about the last week of problems, Matt? Um, they were a little bit more my speed than the week before, but I they were still hard. Um, I, I did not get them all for sure. Yeah, I was looking at our leaderboard of the friends that are all doing it together, and no one got all 25, let alone, or, or yeah, all 25 days. So uh, it is it is a challenge, even for very good programmers. Yeah, All told, um, I think I have 40 stars. So 40 that's stars? not bad. You know, I missed, effectively, I missed five days, but really what that is is a lot of those are the second star of a day. Right. No, that's that's uh that's very that's very good progress. I only have 21, but you know, of of the ones that I gave it a real a real try, you know, I I, f- I feel like uh I did okay, but I still have a lot to improve on. So anyway, let's uh let's go over the last days. So this is day 19 to 25. Uh just a quick side note, I did keep working on that tiny code, uh, tiny tiny code Christmas thing. Um, I fell off a couple days at the end because even that started getting a little hard for me, just because I'm not used to doing cool visuals with math equations. But uh, but it was still fun, and uh, it totally seems like something I would do again next year. But uh, I did go back, and I did day 18, like you suggested, and I did get okay. the first part. Uh, I used a actually used a 3D modeling program that just lets you draw cubes on an XYZ plane. Uh, and that really helped me visualize kind of how to figure it out. And I remember you saying that at the time, you weren't even sure what like the second part of it was asking you. Uh, I feel like I figured out what it was asking me, even though I didn't figure out the way to figure out, like, because essentially the first problem was like, figure out the surface area yeah. of these cubes and how they're stacked. Like if... if um, so basically, don't count the sides that are touching another cube. And then the second part was find the cubes of air that are created within this structure, which was, you know, a really cool second part. I just never got to it. Did you ever get to part two of that? I haven't gone back and worked on any days other than uh, Christmas Eve is the only day I've worked on after the day Yeah, <laughs> uh, of any of the days that we've had. Yeah, I think... What I needed on 18 was to visualize it. Mm-hmm. And that that's one of my big takeaways from this year is uh, I'm noticing that the folks who do really well with it also have some vis- visualization setups mm-hmm. pretty handy for it. And I think I need to get myself into that space before next year so that I can uh, quickly and easily without having to add extra uh, mental bandwidth to, to my to the problems, uh, visualize things. Cause I just print stuff out. And if it's, if it's not easy to print it out, 
it, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, the, the the advent of code pro- puzzles definitely uh, th- they have a lot of visual components. Um, I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of it. But uh, yeah, when you start getting into you know 3D cubes of air within other 3D cubes, uh, that's a tough thing to do without using some kind of visualization process. Um, yeah. And I think I think we've probably talked about this before, but I have that thing where you can't actually see images in your head, and so visualizations like that just yeah. I'm like as as soon as it hits 3D, I'm out because I can draw a 2D picture <laughs> right. on my whiteboard, but 3D I just can't visualize well. Yeah, uh, I had the same problem in school. I hit calculus three. It started talking about spinning the line you'd get from an integral around a around an axis and i was like nope i'm out (laughs) i can't i can't see that all right um so the first day we haven't talked about is day 19 and that's called not enough minerals uh take away matt because i i didn't even attempt this one um i enjoyed this one uh my initial thought i I started writing down my initial thoughts for all these like before i even attempt them and Mm -hmm. that's when i wrote looks fun i'm sure part two will be horrible Uh, and was it (laughs) um well let's find out so uh the objective of this one was you uh, have found some geodes, and you want to crack the geodes. In order to crack the geodes, you need a geo-cracking robot. If, in order to get a geode-cracking robot, you need to build them, and it needs, uh, I think it's obsidian and mm-hmm. ore. In order to get obsidian, you need to build an obsidian robot, which costs ore and clay. And in order to get clay, you need a clay robot, which costs ore. And then you have an ore robot, which costs mm-hmm. more ore. And so you start with one ore robot and a robot factory, which lets you build one robot per turn. And then the goal is just get as many geodes as possible. So I believe that I got this one right. Uh, oh, no, I think I never got... This is one of the ones I didn't get. I did uh, not get this one, yeah. I ended up with classes for robots and resources and inventory. But what I could never get to, and I just never had time to work on it because work was busy this week, was uh, how do I decide which I should make next? Like, I knew how to process it. And I think what we had to do is yet again a breadth first search this year seemed to be all about breadth first searches and compilers uh that was that was sort of the the way i i viewed it It it's like you're either building a little mini compiler calculator thing Mm -hmm. or you are doing a breadth first search or sometimes both um and this is one of the ones i was like i probably need to do a game tree with an option at every turn and then breadth first search it and i just when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I understand what I want to do, what I need to do. I don't want to do it. That's like just too much work, and I got too much going on trying to catch up to Christmas. Uh, so I never finished this one. So I don't even know what part two is. Mm. Uh, but my guess is they were either going to add in another robot or yeah. they were going to uh, say, oh, you can actually switch between the different blueprints um, each time, oh, and you can do, build this one and this and then do that evil. and then this thing over here and like optimize. But. Uh, that actually probably would have been uh, relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just figured, I figured it would be difficult. Uh, so that's where I got on that one. Um, didn't finish it, but I was able to produce lots and lots of robots. Just well, never good. figured out the, the world robots needs more robots. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, let's move on to day twenty then. Uh, this is definitely one that I made uh, an attempt on and was interesting, uh, but I was not able to get. Uh, even part one because uh, of a reason we both got around to, which was the way that that we were trying to parse the data uh, did not work when there was the same data multiple times in the data set. And so you had to do uh, a more complicated way of keeping track of things. And I never got to that part. But what about you? 
Yeah, I thought I understood this one, but like you said, yeah, we hit duplicate values, which it was not clear that there could be duplicate values because of the way it was described. Yeah, uh, and the test case doesn't so have the it. the solution, so. yeah, and the solution I had used, so basically what we had, this was called the Grove positioning system, and basically you got an encrypted file. Um, but the way it was encrypted was this weird, it was just a sequence of numbers, and then at each index, you would move that number, the number the value spaces, right? So if you go to item two, or if, so if you go to an item with value two, you move that two spaces forward in the list. Mm-hmm. If you go to one with negative three, you move it back three spaces, and it's uh, and it's a, a circle. It's a ring buffer. Just a wraparound, yeah. Um, and it's like, just go do that, run it once, see what happens, and I think the second one was run it ten times or something. Yeah. So part two actually wasn't too hard. I literally just changed the... Yeah, it was, it was, run, it, it was run it ten times, and then get the, like thousandth number or something yeah mm-hmm. oh because in addition to mixing up the file then you had to jump around and search in the file right. from your initial position but it's like every time you moved one of the values you still had to know what its initial index was right the whole thing was silly i felt like this one on the previous one had some like could have been written better yeah the i i yeah i'm not sure if everybody else also had issues but i yeah just i just spent a lot of time like wait am i even doing this the way it's supposed to be done and then after all that work realizing that oh there could be duplicate values and all my code is for not (laughs) it was kind of a downer fortunately most of my code was doable it was just one part where i was deciding uh what to do i had to do something else Mm -hmm. but what i had to do was couple my initial value or my initial index with the new one and so i just had to move those together oh that's right because you process them in the same Mm-hmm. order every time but where that thing had jumped to in the file it yeah it was it was a a difficult one to do um it didn't look difficult but it ended up being difficult yeah. and uh I, I still feel like i could you know figure it out but it just i ran it i think time. so yeah yeah you know you know what's wrong at this right. point yeah yeah so i got so, both stars on that one so i felt nice job I felt pretty good about it once i figured it out and i will say I, I think most i think a lot of people got stuck on that Mm -hmm. Uh, duplicate value thing. Although I had a lot of trouble. This is one of the rare ones where I went online and went to Reddit and I was like, okay, where Mm -hmm. are people stuck? And I couldn't find anyone that said anything about duplicate values. Um, And then somewhere Mm. I stumbled into it in like a comment of a comment of a comment on one of them. Like I even downloaded someone else's file just to run it against mine. I was like, okay, what input it, like, what am I, am I at least getting the same output to their input? But right. It wasn't helpful. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but when I did post about it in my work Slack for the advent of code, at least one other person was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I'm doing It's always wrong. great when you find at least that one person that's like, yes, I know what yeah. you mean. I'm also dumb. Yay. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. Day 21. Day 21. Monkey math. Uh, I like this one. Um, this, yeah. I also made an attempt on this one. Uh, I this just is, ran out of time to actually see it through. So go for it. Yeah. This is the one where I decided that compilers and Bretforth searches were the name of the game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, on getting to this. So um, basically, what was going on here? This was like a little mini compiler uh, or calculator. You were given the name of a variable, and then either an arithmetic operation involving two other variable names or a value. So, you, and then you were supposed to get what the root value would be after processing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty straightforward on on doing the first part. Uh, in fact, 
uh, one of the rare times my program worked. First try, no issues. I remember when you when you posted that. Yeah, yeah, I was very excited. I was that was it was really fun. Uh, This is right up my alley of like the kind of thing that I would write Mm -hmm. uh, to do this kind of processing. Uh, Like throughout my like in school and throughout my career, I've done a lot of things along these lines. Mm -hmm. So it was more how do I do this in TypeScript than anything else for me. Yeah. Um, Part two, they threw a, a. monkey elephant wrench into the um, (laughs) (laughs) into the equation and instead of just figuring out oh instead of one of them being one of the variables was h-u-m-n was the name of the variable for human human and so uh instead of the value there you had to figure out what value it would be assuming that roots uh equation was actually an equality operation instead of a subtraction which is what oh. I think it was for me. So it's like, okay, huh. if you assume that you're trying to make root true with this variable equals mm-hmm. this variable, how do you do, like, what number do you put in in order to how to do that? How do you figure I, that out? So I added a method to print out the equation and tried to manually simplify it. Because it actually wasn't that hard. Because it, effectively, it's just algebra, right? It's like string of numbers oh. with one variable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. But it's really long. A lot of variables, uh, I tried to yeah. simplify it manually. And I ran into an obviously wrong answer. So I wrote code to do the same thing, like put together the equation and simplify it mm-hmm. um, and just leaving, just isolate human on its own. Um, and I got the same answer, uh, which I ended up submitting because I was like, all right, I, I, I'm sure this is wrong, but let's find out. It was the wrong answer. And then I just kept rereading and debugging my code for, I think I just spent like a couple of hours on it that evening while mm-hmm. we were watching TV, just like, like, what am I doing wrong? And it turns out I was just making a basic math mistake. So I had something like A minus B equals C. And when I was reducing that, I ended up with B equals C plus A instead of B e- negative B equals C minus A. Mm. Like I wasn't doing my, I, I was bringing the minus sign over because mm-hmm. that doesn't, I don't remember what that's called in math. Uh, yeah, transitive, uh, associative, Operation works. Yeah. both ways uh it's not that subtraction is not that yeah so i'm like oh crap that doesn't work um so once i fixed that worked right away um that was a fun one i i really enjoyed part one of that part two was frustrating but entirely because of my own uh stupid <laughs> uh, day 22 mm-hmm I only got one star on this, so we don't know what day, what part two is. Uh, and uh, same reason as with number 18. So this one was called Monkey Map. And you're given a 2D map uh, with dots for open spaces and pound signs for obstacles, basically. Feels very video and, game-ish. Yes. In fact, I think I named one of my classes Player uh, mm-hmm. for it to walk. And then what you had to do, like you were, you started, I think it was the leftmost open spot in the top row or something mm-hmm. facing east. And I was like, how, and then it gave you a list of instructions. I was like, follow this, which was honestly one of the more difficult parts was parsing that was a pain in the butt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, in fact, I don't even remember how I did it. Uh, but then you just follow the instructions and figure out where you end up. More or less, ba- like this is fun. Basically, moving a character around a map is whatever. I mean that it was it was very video gamey, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some weird things, uh, as with a lot of puzzles this year. 
if you go off one side of the map, you pop up on the other side like asteroids. Yeah. Um, and if you were trying to go through a wall, you just stopped, but you kept, like, you didn't turn around or turn or anything. Like, if you were supposed to go 10 and you hit a wall at one, you just stopped. Right. Um, which was a little strange. Um, and then, uh, so that, but it wasn't too bad. Did, did you get the first part no, of this one? No, I, I was not even able to attempt this one. Uh, I mean, I, I read it and I was like, yeah. This seems kind of like, okay, it's like a simple video game where you can move in four directions, and it's just a matter of tracking your player through all these instructions. Um, but I just, yeah, I didn't even get a chance to try it. So what, what, was the, what was the twist in part two? Part two broke my brain. Um, oh, please do tell. They, uh, so instead of the asteroids style, uh, you go off one side and reappear on the other side of the map. Uh, it was actually a, the map was actually a 2D representation of a 3D space. And so you were supposed to effectively fold it into a cube. Um, and I saw so many people, Richard um, in our channel did this. I actually did this as well. Oh, you cut like, stuff out? Cut out a cube. Ah. Into, uh, cut, cut out the shape so you could fill, fold it into a cube so you could visualize it. But ultimately, like, I'm just not good at 3D manipulation. And I kept getting my, like, okay, you go off this way... And then, and because what I was trying to do was write the code to be smart enough to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, if I go off the right of section A, um, I'll end up at the top of section G facing down uh, or whatever uh, in the sample. Like, trying to figure out where the cubes were. And that was, I wasted too much time doing that. In retrospect, I should have just gone through and figured out, like, okay, these. This, these coordinates are in this box. These are on this face of the cube. These are in this, this are in this. And this is how it maps when you go off. The, and I just never got to that um, because it was a pain and I don't like 3D visualization. <laughs> I, I mean, um, it, it seems like this puzzle is something that, like like you said, most video game developers have had to deal with something like this, like traversing a map. And so it, yeah. it, it was one of the ones where, like, oh, if you knew how to do this or you learned how to do it, this would be actually a very useful skill in programming something you know for sure and even the the second part of this like i would never build a world that way um and and if i did i wouldn't store it that way uh mm -hmm. <laughs> uh in memory but it absolutely makes sense to do it that way it's a it's pretty efficient uh way of moving around a map right it's just hard to actually visualize right and i don't do well with that it, so if, if i were going to take another cut at this what i would probably do is make a like cube face class and populate each of those and then have it know which way was left right up and down mm -hmm. uh and then so it could do the translation itself right uh and then i think this would be pretty easy because all my code was basically it would have stayed the same it was just a matter of mapping what happens when you leave the map mm -hmm. but it, the first part was fun day 23. 23 unstable diffusion ha ha is i i didn't even try this one is this having something to do with ai and creating graphics out of text my initial th my initial comment on this was seems straightforward but looking at the input i bet part two will be to calculate until it finishes which is going to take ages mm, um optimization this one was oh it was like a cellular automata Right. Uh, if you've ever played the the game of life, the game of life, yeah, or game of life, but mm -hmm. the like, you draw Conway. these pixels and then it follows rules. Right. It was that. Okay. Effectively, if 
your because it was the elves were each going to spread out in a certain way. So they, you got the initial configuration of the elves, and then they followed a pattern of um, if there was no one in any of the adjacent, including diagonal squares, uh, you didn't move. If there was no one in any of the north three squares of you, you could move north, or else same with south or then west and then east and so like you follow it so i mean it laid out the algorithm really straightforwardly mm-hmm. uh i got tripped up on this one because there's a line in it about after each elf has had a chance to propose a move oh yeah that's the other thing they propose a move in the first half and then in the second half if no one else proposed to go to that same spot then they move and then after all the, that is done Instead of so originally you consider north and south and west and east, you take north out and you put it at the end. So you would next round you'll consider south and then west and then east and then north. Mm-hmm. But the t- wording was a little ambiguous in this one, mm-hmm. and I read that as each elf the position they considered. So if the elf didn't move, I didn't pop the direction off for that elf. And so I actually made the problem much more complicated than it actually was. Oh. And when I simplified, when I once I understood it and simplified it, it was pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, and then part two, or did you already talk about that? Part two, I wrote, I was right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was right. You had to calculate until it finished. Mm. I recognized that there was probably some optimization that could be had here, uh, but I didn't care. Um, I was out of town. By the time we got to this, so I uh, changed my code to allow for uh, it to not stop after ten rounds or whatever the first one was, mm-hmm. and just go until it until memory runs out. Moved, <laughs> and I just I just let it run. I think it finished in like a half hour. I I wasn't really paying attention to it. I just I was like, okay, go do your thing. Uh, yeah, and, and I came back later and I was like, oh, it finished. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that it, if you know. It was just getting to an answer once. What do I care? Right. It, it does seem like, compared to last year, like, there have been fewer optimization uh, I agree. puzzles, which I think is for the better, because it's it's very frustrating when you figure out an algorithm that gets you, like, the first part, but then the second part requires you to, like, do it a totally different way. Otherwise, you know, your computer takes until the heat death of the universe to figure it out. So I feel like they cut back on that a little bit. And then you probably could have written something that was more efficient that didn't take half an hour to figure it out. But half an hour was reasonable compared to the heat death of the universe. So so that's cool. I think in talking about it with some other people, I was looking at, I believe, every space on my grid and not just just where the people were. It's immediately adjacent to the elves or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. So you were trying to redraw like, the oh, yeah, whole. That would have been a... You were trying to redraw the whole grid every time, as opposed to just the parts that changed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but ultimately, that one wasn't too bad, um, other than the dumb mistake I made. Uh, day twenty-four, my birthday. Yeah, uh, I did not get. I did not. Oh, get this that's one a bad birthday. Star. I know, right? I was kind of annoyed. It, but they should have just given it to you. To spend on it. <laughs> yeah, it was Christmas Eve. I didn't have a lot of time. It was. Probably the more the most difficult of the problems this week. Yeah, um, Blizzard. And I, I got I got close to it. So this was another like here's a map. You start up in the upper left corner. An elf starts in the upper left hand corner. Needs to get to the bottom right hand corner. And there are blizzards, and they're moving in straight lines. And if they hit a wall, 
they reappear on the other side. Ah. Uh, face, so again, asteroids, mm-hmm. uh, but blizzards. And you, what you had to do in order... To, so I wrote all the code to be able to calculate the movements of the blizzards um, effectively. And I... Uh, and I, that that all worked, I think, correctly. Um, I did. Oh, I, I ran into a really weird bug, uh, uh, an off by one error that was causing blizzards in the second to last row to skip the last row and reappear at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tripped me up for way too long before I noticed it because mm-hmm. I didn't have a good visualization program. Where <laughs> I probably would have. Ah. Um, and it wasn't until I really started to draw it out that I noticed. Um, I have a to-do in my code that says what I ultimately didn't get. What that was, what that actually turned out to be, and what I have not fixed yet, is the way that I was iterating through my list of blizzards, mm-hmm. after I moved my blizzard, would it modified that overall list, and it, would show, and it showed up again. So if I moved a blizzard down one, it would show up in the next, inside the same loop I was already in. It didn't just uh, skip over it. So I needed... I needed to change how I was iterating across my blizzards, mm-hmm. and I just never, I didn't have time to do that. Yeah. Uh, but then ultimately, what I was going to do is calculate uh, for each, so take an elf, I know where he starts, here's the places I could possibly move based on where blizzards will be, and then keep that as a list. And then next time, look at all the positions I could have ended up in. And then make a list of all those places. So basically doing another breadth for search through all of the available spaces as they move each turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got all that code in there. I think I just need to fix that one that one bit. Uh, it was just a big enough change to my code that I didn't feel like it. So that, that seems doable. So I don't know what part two was on this. My guess is that, okay, now you have multiple elves. And they can't be in the same space as each other. Mm-hmm. And, how do you, uh, and I... I don't even want to attempt that one if it's if it's that that <laughs> just seems painful. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, uh, okay, so in the final day, day twenty five on Christmas, full day twenty five of hot air. This one was fun. Um, you had a f- uh, some hot air balloons and a fuel heating machine, and uh, you needed to get away and and you needed to I don't know fuel up a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what we were trying to do was the way the fuel machine worked. It had to know a particular number, mm-hmm. um, which was the amount of fuel you were going to consume, and so you had to give it that number. But it was not in decimal, or it didn't even use hex. base ten. Yeah, yeah. It was a base it five, used, I think. It wasn't even base five. It was a variant of base five. So instead of so normally when you're looking at like base ten operations, you start at zero and you go up to nine, and that that's how many digits you can get in a space you get 10 digits base two is zero and one right mm-hmm. zero is the lowest and then n minus one is the top this one started at negative two and went to three no went to negative two so it went negative two to two mm-hmm. uh, so you had five five values that could be in each place and you still did the like okay in this first one is actually that value and in the next one it's the power five or the the base five to the first power and then to the second and so on. Mm-hmm. So you go from the zeroth power, first power. So first one, you multiply it by one. Second one, you multiply it by five. Third, third column, you multiply it by 25 and so on. Right. Um, and then you just add all those numbers up. So converting from 
And they called that snafu, which is not the normal snafu, but instead was uh, the special numeral analog fuel units. Right. Obviously. Converting from snafu to decimal was very straightforward. If you've ever done any conversion between bases, if you've ever written code to do that, mm-hmm. it was very straightforward. It was just instead of zero through five or zero through four, you w- you went negative two, two to through two. two. Yeah. Um, it was a very, very simple thing. Going the other direction. I And I, I was a math minor in college. Computer science was in the math department. I'm good at math. I couldn't get my brain around it. Like. Really? Christmas Eve night, I'd I'd had a couple drinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was my birthday yeah. when I actually looked at this still, and I ended up playing around with it for like what, like I think one o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day, and I went, I need to go to sleep because my daughter's gonna wake up soon to open presents. Yeah, uh-huh. um, uh, it, it was it was tricky. I could I just couldn't wrap my brain around how to do the math. And then as soon as I looked at it on the twenty fifth, I was like right away. Oh, I was like ah. I know exactly what I did wrong. I was just because I knew what I needed to do was if the number in this column is going to be negative, I have to add to my remainder. But I was just I I was trying to be too clever with my math and use one fewer variable than I actually needed, mm-hmm. which was just screwing me up. I don't know why I was trying to do it that way, but because I was trying to do it that way, I kept getting the wrong answer. That, um, that does seem like a so recurring it, a recurring theme. With these problems mm-hmm. where, like, you run into issues because you're trying to be too clever or you're trying to over-engineer or you're trying to make it too perfect when you really just need to do a lot less to get the answer and move on. And that's always something that's hard to fight, you know, if you've done programming for, for long enough. You just, you have a way that you like to do things regardless if it's efficient or not, you know. Yeah. And I've I've done base conversions so many times in, like, interview problems and whatnot. It's a very common problem to ask people to do mm-hmm. that I was just, I think I was just going rote uh, with, I'm like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the code to do it and it didn't work that way because of the trick that they threw in there. Yeah. They're good at that. Uh, but once I, once I woke up, I was like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> do not try to program Unfortunately, Wallace Yeah. Unfortunately for part two, mm-hmm. as with every year, I believe you cannot get the second star because the second star is given to you by getting all of the other stars. Oh, is that the, how that works? I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So I got to part two, but I can't do anything about it. Cause I would have to go back and get my other nine stars that I need. Oh, so it won't even uh, show you part two if you don't have the other. Oh no, no, it says it, it shows me part two, but it's you get your star when. Oh, <laughs> I see. It's just a completion stars. star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Well, that's a that's a kick in the poop. Kick in the poop, indeed. <laughs> Congratulations on getting as many as you did uh, get done. Do you think you're going to go back and work on any of these post AOC? Like really? I don't know. I said I would last year. Um, and yeah, I didn't. <laughs> um, and this year, uh, I might. I have this week off. I, I went and looked at 2021 just now to see. I actually got more stars last year. Mm-hmm. I got two stars all the way up through day 20. Oh, nice. And then I got one star on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Again, didn't get my birthday. Ugh. And then the first star on the 25th. So I'm only a, I'm only a couple stars away. 
on 2021. Um, but I'm never going to go back to that. Uh, this year, I I'm, it's I would be probably go man. back to at least day 24. Yeah. Um, and maybe day 19. I think those are the ones that I got. I got real close, and I know what I need to do. And it's just a matter of like, do I want to bother writing that code? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. We'll see. That, that actually reminds me of uh, what you said about your Maisdell project, where you got to that yep. point where you know what you need to do, but actually doing it is not interesting enough, and so it doesn't get done. So uh, uh, I'm a little sus of that statement, but I do hope that you actually do. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to come out and say that, yeah, I'm probably not going to go back and try these because it's weird because at the end of last year, I did go back to 2015 and worked on some just to see. I did that last year. Yeah. And I'll probably keep doing that. Yeah. I like the new problems, but it's the like, I have no incentive to solve the problems I already worked on. Yeah. Well, and also I think, you know, a, a, a competition like this, like there is a lot of value in the the zeitgeist of it, like doing it while people yeah. are doing it. And once it's over, the, the, it's a little more empty uh, of a like, oh, yay, I finally got five years ago's day 20. Okay, no one cares because no one is looking at that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to motivate oneself. It depends on what your goal with the thing is, right? Like this year in particular, my goal was to improve my fluency with TypeScript. Yeah. And absolutely doing Advent of Code in TypeScript, help me with that. Mm-hmm. Like, unquestionably, like, I immediately noticed it uh, in my actual day-to-day work. I was like, oh, I know I know how to do this. In the last, I started my job almost exactly a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, having never done TypeScript before, barely touching JavaScript, and going into a world where that's all I was doing. And I could get by, I can read it. I mean, code is code for the most part, although JavaScript's dumb callback uh, hell that it likes to do it makes it a little bit difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like ultimately, like I can write the code the way I would do Python, except I kept getting tripped up on little things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those I had to do enough times as we were going through these problems that I just got, I can slap together a class without having to look up the syntax. I can, like, so a lot of those things, just the repetition of writing the code, I have a better understanding of how. Uh, the TypeScript compiler works now because I was running it myself as opposed to part of a, a build script that someone else had written. Right. Um, so, like, all that stuff, much better. Uh, I have an appreciation of certain things that TypeScript does well. I uh, double down on my hatred of certain things. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. yeah well, How about you? What was your sort of, like, takeaway from this year? Yeah. Um, well, like I said in the beginning, uh, I know that this is not the kind of programming that I do a lot or uh, am particularly good at. I'm a web developer. I'm mainly doing visual stuff where I'm changing or writing code that puts stuff on websites, and this is not that kind of programming. Uh, But I bring those skills to the puzzles that have that strong visual component, and so I like that. That visual component, though, does take time, and so I think it sometimes gets in the way of me just getting to the actual algorithm that solves the problem. So that's kind of a pro and con. I did a little better than I did last year, so that's a that's a pro. It definitely gave me a, like a, a boost in the hey, I just like to do programming on my own, uh, you know, like like personal programming, and uh, like I've talked before, it got me back into Pico Eight programming. 
um, which I enjoy. I actually wanted to mention that I started a game on this other uh, app called Low Res NX, which is for iOS, Mac, Windows, and Linux. Uh, Pico 8 is not on iOS. And basically, it was one of those things where like, okay, I just like to do programming right now. I'm super hyped to just program stuff. But there's no Pico 8 on the iPhone. So I got to find something. So I found this other app. And uh, instead of using Lua, uh, otherwise, it's basically the same. It's like low res, small display, only like simple lo-fi music. It's got a sprite editor. uh, But it uses basic Instead of Lua, so I have written really? I have written go tos uh, lately. I, I'm I'm a little ashamed of it, but um, but I do have a working game that has a title screen that goes into a level that has a player that you can move around that has enemies that can damage you that has things to pick up. If you pick up enough things, it does a win message. If you get hit too many times, it has a game over message. And I literally did it all on my iPhone just in my downtime. And it was super fun. And like that was like... Oh, you coded it on your yeah, iPhone I coded, as well. That's fun. I coded everything. I made all the sprites and all the music on my iPhone, basically just in my downtime. And I even had uh, my daughter and her friend play it. And they... Uh, it started out with like no theme. It was called Dude Guy. And it was literally just a dude guy and a bunch of like nondescript enemies and trees. And I remembered one of her favorite cartoons that she's been watching. And I'm like, I'm going to turn it into that. So I gave it the theme of that. And I coded the theme song as the music that plays. And, you know, it was my jam. That was totally my jam. And there's even a place where you can share them online uh, that's fairly active. And so you can just upload your whole basic program. And it's all just a text. It's just a text file, just like Pico and, and Tech 80 with all the code and then all the graphics and all the sound and then you just run it through that program, and it knows what to do with it all, and it was super fun. So, if nothing, awesome. if nothing else, Advent of Code got me to do that, which I have not been that jazzed about doing in a long time, and I do want to like expand it and maybe even use it as a jumping-off point for something else. Uh, so that's what I got out of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I would like a link to the the thing you were just talking. I about. will do Send that it to me afterwards. I will do that. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, big thanks to Eric Wastel for putting together Advent of Code yes. each and every year. These uh, have been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like Mike said, that does help kind of like revitalize the passion for coding uh, to have these fun little tangible projects to work on. Yeah, uh, with a, a discrete ending condition, mm-hmm. which is uh, unlike real software engineering, where you just goes on forever. You finish something, and then a week later you are back in it again, and you're like, oh, this this problem <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is a, a perfect little nugget of of productivity um and fun I, I i will have to say though that like it happening in december and around a major holiday is an issue terrible timing. for time like i <laughs> l- l- literally i mean not just not just the fact that i'm not necessarily good at some of this type of programming i literally just did not have the time to even sit down and give it a real attempt and i feel bad about that because I feel like I could have gotten more of these days if I even had the the time and wherewithal to do it. And so, I mean, then, I mean, if they did it on a different month, you wouldn't be able to have, you know, the elf and reindeer and Santa-themed stuff because it wouldn't make sense. But that that's just the one con, I guess, of having it during December. I, I would love, like, a weekly puzzle. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Like, it just came out once a week because I always have some downtime during the week, at least on the weekend. Right. Um, and I'm not competitive enough to be the one popping up at nine, east, you know, midnight Eastern time every single right. day and trying to do this. 
but I do want to solve the problem within, you know, before the next one comes out. Yeah. Uh, so I would love, you know, maybe you and I can do that. We'll, uh, we'll figure out, we, we'll figure out how to do that. Um, and maybe we'll make that happen. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. So, uh, I, I, that's advent of code 2022. Uh, hopefully, you know, some of our listeners also tried it. And the good thing is that even if you didn't, all the puzzles are up there. You can try it whenever you want. Uh, the same for that tiny code Christmas thing that I talked about before. It's just up there. You can go do the puzzles whenever you want. And, uh, you know, I look forward to next year. But it's, I'm also looking forward to not having the artificial thing hanging over my head each day, which I did feel sometimes like, oh, it's another day of Advent of Code. I really should look at it and attempt it. And it, and it was like, wait, why am I feeling bad that I didn't try it? It's, it's an optional puzzle. <laughs> but I did feel bad. And so I am kind of glad that it's it's done and we can kind of like decompress and uh you know next time we get together we can talk about something a little more evergreen but i think it was totally worth it to go over this because it is an interesting and exciting thing that happens in december and i look forward to doing it again next year since this year i decided to make people a lot of christmas a lot of people christmas presents Mm -hmm. uh with woodworking i am happy christmas is over altogether (laughs) but did everybody like what you made yes okay well, that's good. Uh, but I'll say like a hundred percent of my free time for the last month has been either advent of code or woodworking. Yeah. And while I enjoy both of those things, I'm exhausted. Exactly. Uh, so I, I look forward to going back and playing video yes, games. Yes, onward to consumption. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, um, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, you can uh, look for more Hacking the Grepson at hackingthegrepson.com. We are on Twitter at HTG underscore podcast. It's Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New yeah. Year to everyone. And for now, we now return you to your, regu- to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. Mm-hmm.